0: mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Bread has fallen on hard times in the last couple of decades. Have you noticed this? I mean there's so many different diets out there. Keto diet, South Beach diet, paleo diet. They've all got different advice for you but there's one thing that they can all seem to agree upon and that is bread is bad. Stay away from bread. You'd be better off eating paint chips than eating bread. Don't do it. Bread brings death. Well, I think we can all agree that we can thank God that Jesus doesn't agree. Amen? No, Jesus says, I am the living bread. That partake, to partake of this bread, to receive the Jesus who is the bread of life, means that you will hunger no more. Neither will you thirst anymore, which may be a covert reference to beer. I can't say for sure. <laughs> that, you will, that you will overcome death and the grave and be granted eternal life by partaking of this bread of life, our Lord Jesus. No, bread doesn't bring death. Bread brings life because our Lord is the living bread. And I want to hang for there just a minute on the fact that Jesus identifies himself as bread. The living bread, to be sure, but as bread. You know, in the Gospel of John, seven times Jesus has these definitive I am statements. He says things like, I am the light of the world. I am living water. Before Abraham was, I am. And you know, when I was a kid, we would play that game, one of these things is not like the other, right? And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life? Really? Bread? How does that fit in with all of these other ones? Jesus, you are, you know, flour and water? This seems kind of weird. You know, I think sometimes we move too quickly past these metaphors and analogies that our Lord uses. He picks them specifically, he picks them purposefully, and they can often tell us a lot about who he is and who he is for us. And so what i'd like to do this morning is to ruminate some more on bread and what it means for jesus to be the bread of life for us what do you think of what comes to mind when you think about bread well the first thing that pops in my head is that bread is exceedingly ordinary right Today, it's a staple of our diets, even as it was thousands of years ago in the ancient world. One writer, Euripides, said that grain and water makes up two-thirds of our diet. And it might not quite be like that still today, but bread is a staple of everyone's diet. It's a normal, everyday, ordinary thing. And consider this. I mean, Jesus, he doesn't say, I am, you know, the caviar of life. He doesn't even say, I am the croissant of life, right? I am the bread of life, that exceedingly ordinary thing. In fact, this is part of the reason that his opponents were opposing him, right? They said, wait a second, this guy's the Messiah? He's manna from heaven? He's way too ordinary. He's the son of Joseph and Mary. Everybody, Everybody knows where he's from. How could he be the son of God? But of course, Jesus is not merely ordinary. He is extraordinarily ordinary, you might say. But there is something to this. To him identifying himself as this ordinary gift of the bread of life and i think what it's suggesting to you and me is that that's where our lord wants to be in our lives in the ordinary places see in the everyday muck and mess of our mundane existence that's where he wants to be jesus wants to be more pb and j than escargot am i right he do not want to be all fancy like that. He wants to be with you in the warp and woof of your every day. He wants you to be with him here at worship, you know, one, two hours a week. We're not going to go two hours, don't worry. But uh, also in the midst woven in through every single day. You might say baked into your everyday existence. Jesus is extraordinarily ordinary, and for that very reason, he is part of every moment of our lives. And praise God for it. As the bread of life, he's there in the middle of the mundane and every day. So it's the first thing I think of when I think about bread. It's just so ordinary, but Jesus, extraordinarily ordinary, meets us there in the middle. Second thing that comes to mind might sound a little strange at first, and that is that bread is a cultural product. It's a cultural product. What do I mean by that? I mean, when we think of culture, many times you think of, of what? You think of classical music. Books, movies, this sort of thing. And culture is notoriously a difficult word to define. But I really like the definition given by a a cultural commentator, a guy by the name of Ken Myers. He says, culture is what we make of the world. Culture is what we make of the world. It's our interpretation of existence. And it's just us taking the, the raw stuff of creation and what we do with it. Culture is taking the natural and adding to it the artificial or the manual. Putting those things together, that's culture. Omelets, our culture. Cardigans, our culture. Pews, carpet, culture. You with me? Okay, so what would it mean then for Jesus to identify himself not just as a natural thing, although he he does that, you know, living water, uh, light of the world, and so forth. Those are natural, creational elements. But here Jesus also identifies himself with a cultural thing. Something that humans also have a role in creating. To me, this is suggestive in at least two ways. First of all, when it comes to the identity of Jesus himself and his dual nature, if you will. See, bread as a cultural artifact is both a divine gift and a human product. Both of those things at the same time. And so our Lord Jesus is also a divine gift and not a, a human product per se, but a human incarnation. He has these dual natures, son of God and son of man. He is, if you like, a heavenly confection, right? This is who our Lord Jesus is. So for him to call himself the bread of life, to me, is suggestive of those two natures. Showing himself to aligning himself with this cultural artifact. But it also, I think, says something about your life and mine in the world and what we make of this world see for jesus to take up something that humans create is for him to say what we create through the power of god and through his blessing can become good can become good the great uh, artist author J.R.R. R. tolkien the author of lord of the rings that's why he called humans sub creators We're sub-creators. We are not the creators. God alone is the one who is able to say, let there be light, and there is light. But we are sub-creators, co-creators, if you like, working alongside with our Lord, and he is able to take the feeble efforts of our hands and to make of them something good. I'm looking around the assembly this morning, and for some of you, you know, you are gardeners, and you think, oh, you know, that's just my hobby. It's a little thing that I do on the side, play in the dirt or whatever. But you know who the first gardener was, right? God, right? Some of you are bakers. You are. You like working in the kitchen. And God, too, is there with you, working alongside you in those cultural artifacts. Others of you are artists. And he is able to to look upon you and to use your art, those cultural products, for a blessing to others. In whatever arena or vocation we find ourselves in, For Jesus to identify himself with this cultural thing, the bread of life tells us, suggests to us, that all of our little efforts in this life, in our ordinary everyday life, is not for naught. It's not for naught. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Whether you are making homes or making widgets or whatever it might be, God is able to take of that, redeem it, sanctify it, and gather it up into his purposes, even as he has done for bread. So for Jesus to be the bread of life speaks to his ordinariness and extraordinariness, meeting us in the middle of life. But also the fact that he is able to gather up and to capture all of our labors and to make of them something beautiful in his sight. But there's a third thing that maybe has been alluded to already, but we ought to just get it out there, which is that bread is delicious. Can I get an amen? Amen. It is a delectable gift of God that we should be able to partake of something as good as bread. And you know what? This is not an accident, folks. This is not an accident from the Lord. He's not like, oh, wait a second. That tastes too good. We shouldn't give them bread. We need to bring it back. You know, keto was right. Get rid of the bread. No bread is delicious, and this is how God has made us, say, to delight in his creation and in his word. There's this wonderful practice uh, from thousands of years ago, ancient Jews, when it came to ed- the education of their children. You know, we're getting close to the beginning of the school year, and at the beginning of the school year, for little Jewish children, their teachers would welcome them, especially like uh, preschool, kindergarten age kids. They'd welcome them on the first day of school with a Tablet, okay? No, not an iPad, right? Like an old fashioned (laughs) tablet. And this tablet would have on it the alphabet, or what they would call the Aleph Bet, the Hebrew Aleph Bet, as well as some scripture verses. And the teacher would recite these scripture verses to the child, and the child, you know, not able to read yet, would recite the verses back to the teacher. And then the tablet would be coated with honey. And the child would lick the tablet clean the honey it's a great first day of school and then after that they would be given some some cakes that had inscribed in them biblical verses biblical references and why would they do this it was a way to underscore and to convey to these kids not just to their head but to their heart and indeed to their stomach that God's Word as it says in Psalm 19 sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth or you think of the prophet Ezekiel, who himself ate the word of God, ate the scrolls and said, ah, it tasted like honey in my mouth. Or uh, again and again in the scriptures, we have this, this message that God's word is not, only, <clears throat> is not only truthful, but it's also delectable, see? And so often, I think, when it comes to our lives of faith, we tend to over-intellectualize it. We just think of faith as a head trip. Of course, that's part of it, but that's not the whole thing god's word is not only true it's also good and beautiful indeed delicious and the savor of our savior is sweet to live in relationship with him to live in in fellowship with christ jesus is a sweet delicious treat for you and me so it is that our lord jesus as the bread of life it's delectable to know him and that he is able to take all of our efforts and to make of them something wonderful. He meets us in the ordinary stuff of life. And, and one more thing. <clears throat> one more thing. I remember back when I was in college in the early 2000s. And uh, there was this fad going around as fads happen, There was like a run on bread makers. Okay? You remember this? I mean, everybody was getting bread makers. They were coming, you know, in the mail along with those little boxes of cereal. You would get a bread maker. Oh, here it is. And not coincidentally, a few years later, you could go to any thrift store and get a really good deal on a bread maker, right? Uh, so while I'm in college, my mom gets sucked into this fad as well, and, and she gets a bread maker, and i was so excited, because who doesn't love fresh-baked bread? But instead, it became a running joke around our house that we had this really expensive... Clumsy paperweight cluttering up the counter of the kitchen, right? But my mom, God bless her, whenever I would come home from college, she would bake a fresh baked loaf of bread in the bread maker. And I can still smell it, you know. I can still taste it. And what did it taste like? It tasted like home. It tasted like comfort, see. I find it interesting that even though everybody tells you bread's bad in the early days of the pandemic what were a lot of people doing bacon bread and why is that it's the consummate comfort food and how much more when it comes to our lord who is the bread of life who comes to comfort you and me in our afflictions in our guilt in our shame to console us with his words of life to console us with the very bread of life in his body and blood. He invites us to this table. And if I can say so, the Lord's Supper is more comfort food than macaroni and cheese and sloppy joes combined, see? So we come and partake of this blessed meal of our Lord Jesus, the bread of life. And and when you do, you get a foretaste of the feast to come. This supper is an appetizer of that heavenly banquet. It's a pledge that you and I have a seat at that heavenly banquet, that already Christ Jesus has prepared it for you and me. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. That's what Jesus has done, and he has given you this promise that whoever eats this bread, I will raise him up on the last day. Which, come to think of it? Reminds me of one last thing about bread. It rises. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.